0: Welcome to Access Utah, I'm Tom Williams. We've established an Access Utah tradition. On or near Earth Day each year, we invite Utah writer Stephen Trimble and other guests to talk about the Earth, the land, and the environment. And we uh, are opening up phone lines and uh, email to you for your comments as well as Earth Day approaches. And here is Stephen Trimble's suggestion for this year. Why don't we talk about young people's responses to the land, especially young people who are writing about the land. I thought that was a very good suggestion. We're going to do that on the program today. And, of course, we have with us Stephen Trimble, author of Bargaining for Eden, The Fight for the Last Open Spaces in America, and other uh, books. And uh, he joins us from KCPW Studios in Salt Lake City. Stephen Trimble, uh, pleasure to welcome you back.
1: Hi, Tom. As always, I'm glad to be here.
0: Good to uh, good to have you with us. And uh, we, uh, we wouldn't feel comfortable about Earth Day without having you with us every year, so we appreciate you being on. Um, and so we have in studio, uh, naturalist, teacher, and activist in the Logan area, Jack Green, uh, is is with us. You hear him on uh, Wild About Utah and some other things. Uh, Jack, welcome to the program. Thank you. We uh, have with us uh, one of his students, uh, Josh Velasquez, who understand, uh, Josh, you're in the Leaf Club at uh, Logan High School.
2: Yeah, yeah, I am.
0: Uh, so tell us briefly what what is the Leaf Club.
2: The Leaf Club stands for the Logan Environmental Action Force, and we are a club of high school students who focuses on conservation issues um, locally and recently around the state. So. Okay,
0: and I believe we're going to be joined uh, later by uh, Darren Bingham, another of Jack uh, Green's uh, students. Uh, Josh, by the way, you're a sophomore in high school. Yeah, yep. so you're you're starting your uh, what your interest at least in environmental issues early.
2: <laughs> yeah, I guess I guess I am.
0: Yeah. Well, let me start with you. What what got you into this? What's uh what provoked your interest in these issues?
2: Oh man. Um I think well, I got involved in Leaf Club because the president who I've known since about the sixth grade, um I took debate with her this year and she kinda just like pulled me into it. And I've always kinda had a passion for the environment, but I've never been given uh, a way in, I guess, and so when she told me about this club, I, I was really excited, and I'm, I'm glad I got involved when I did. Um, so we've had a lot of fun.
0: Oh, excellent. I'll turn to you, uh, Stephen Trimble. Um, what? Uh, tell me what's behind this idea. You come up with some great ideas for these programs. Uh, I thought this was an intriguing one. What? What's got your focus on young people in the environment these days?
1: Well, m- mostly because I teach them, Tom. Okay. Um, you know, you and I talked about how we wanted to feature something a little bit less political and more lyrical this year for our Earth Day show. And I've been teaching at the University of Utah for almost 10 years now, teaching uh, the beginning students in the Honors College and this spring teaching in the Environmental Humanities Master's Program. And so I've, I've listened and read a lot of words from my students uh, when I've assigned things like write about place or write about something that's been important in your life and many of them hark back to their childhoods and their backyards and their special tree forts and their special rocks in the field at the end of their street and how important those places were to them in really giving them a lot of, of strength and identity and self-esteem and as i've moved from freshmen into graduate students i've also learned that they not only write about those places that taught them to be sensitive to the world and pay attention to non-human plants and animals. But also, many of my students who are in their mid-20s have begun to make the connection between their experiences in the wild and climate justice and social justice, and they're becoming uh, more and more aware of the implications of what we're doing to the earth. So even though we want to emphasize the lyrical, my students remind me that uh, wilderness is a very complicated word.
0: It is very complicated, we'll, and we're going to talk a little bit uh, later in the program uh, with uh, Carrie Manukin from uh, Utah Valley University. Her students—they're uh, down at Capitol Reef right now and uh, involved in a wilderness writing workshop. Um, so, as we think about Earth Day, uh, Stephen, and, and think about students, uh, I could guess—you know—as you just said, one of the impulses here is, as an environmental activist yourself is um, the the movement, the, the concern is, is going to be taken up by young people.
1: That's right. And, you know, so many conservation organizations are made up of gray hairs, baby boomers like me, and uh, we, we need to make sure that the mantle is passed. And that mantle, as I said earlier, is, is not just focused on wilderness these days. You know, interestingly, I've just edited a book called Red Rock Stories that is just coming out that includes three generations of writers writing about Utah wilderness. And as we invited writers to speak passionately about this place, we realized that the folks who agreed to be part of the project spanned birth dates that ranged from Bruce Babbitt in 1938 to Brooke Larson in 1992. And uh, let me just read you two or three paragraphs from Brook's piece in Red Rock Stories. Uh, She was actually one of my students in the Environmental Humanities Writing Seminar this spring, and she's a fine writer, and um, you can tell from her birth date that she is a millennial. And in her piece, she starts with the wilderness, but moves quickly into these concerns that millennials simply can't avoid. Uh, She writes in a piece called The Eyes of the Young, As I descend the sticky sandstone cliffs into the dirty devil wilderness... Anxiety seeps over me. Heading into the back country for three days makes me stop and run through any unsent emails before leaving self-service behind. I feel an unease in disconnecting from technology that overshadows my relief in reconnecting with nature. But as a child of the red rock, that feeling quickly fades. My jaw loosens, my eyes come alive, and I howl. I hear the echo as a reminder that I am untamable. I am in my early twenties. My generation is screen-saturated and nature-deprived. We find constant connection in our digital world, yet we hunger for depth. Our friendships grow in quantity rather than quality. Our relationship with ourselves and our environment degrades as our fear of solitude and silence grows. It's not revolutionary to say, my generation needs wildness more than ever. I'd like to hear what Jack's students think of that as Mm -hmm. well as we go forward.
0: Yeah, yeah. well, let, let's turn to uh, first, uh, Josh, then we'll get to Jack, but so, Josh, what do you think about that? The, this idea of leaving yourself on behind, right, and leaving that connectedness behind, is is that something that you feel you want to get out to, into nature?
2: Uh, yeah, actually, I think that's, that's something that, um, like in what he was just reading, that it is up to us youth a lot for us to make that connection with nature and realize that it is ours to protect. Um, and I think that not a lot of us are open to that, but I think the more that we do come to that realization, the more that people will become involved and uh, find a passion for nature. So,
0: uh, Let me bring in uh, Darren Bingham. Uh, welcome to the program. Uh, Darren, uh, tell me a little bit about yourself. Uh, I'm a graduating senior
3: at Utah State University, and I'm doing environmental studies is my degree. And I'll be going to grad school at Northern Arizona University, uh, doing a master's in sustainable communities, uh, with the hope of being a um, a coordinator, director for cities, universities, uh, companies around sustainability, and really trying to fill that Uh, void that we're finding um, this writer, that's a lot. I I walked in on it, and uh, (laughs) something to walk in on. Mm -hmm. Um, Definitely some good writing. And I I definitely agree that uh, putting your phone behind is a good idea. Um, I went to Bears Ears over my birthday, actually, first April, and didn't have my phone on for about three days. Um, Unfortunately, my birthday lapsed within that three days. So when I turned on my phone, it was like an overwhelming Slew of like acknowledgement, which was almost too much because I got like every uh, media forum, every email, every call, every text um, all at the same time. Mm. (laughs) But at the same time, I will say that um, a cell phone or at least a camera might be necessary at this point because that's how you can connect people, I think, to some of these wild places that they'll never go to. That's why uh, Instagram is so popular, I think. And uh, when you look at those, you know, pictures of landscapes. That these companies have found, and other people, there's always like twenty thousand likes, you know, a million likes. Um, the U.S. Department, the BLM, uh, Department of Interior, are using Instagram um, and some technology. I would say to to help promote, but I definitely say that having a phone kind of defeats the point.
0: Mm-hmm. Let me turn to Jack Green. Um, so first of all, on, on, on this point, um, I guess technology is here, right? And so we. Use it, use it for good, right? But leave it behind when you when you get out there. Um,
4: well, yeah. Uh, for instance, on technology, yesterday I had a small group of students, Utah State University students, up Logan Canyon, our jewel here in the north end, and uh, I wanted to see if the Maguire Primrose, our threatened species, kind of claim to fame as far as flora is concerned, our canyon, was in bloom. And so we made our way up this lesser-known little canyon just near the Stokes Nature Center. And uh, it was in full bloom, and I had my camera and pretty well went crazy documenting the beauty of this gorgeous, gorgeous (laughs) plant, uh, as did my students. Um, So it does have a place. But again, uh, use it appropriately, and there are times, and this is a good amount of the time, when you just don't want to be connected to anything except what's right there in front of you, the landscape, uh, and just really absorb it because, well, just the sound of silence is marvelous. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And uh, you don't experience that very often in today's world, and just to let that... You know, your senses really connect with mm-hmm. that and the birds now we we got the spring birds going off so i was calling out birds to my students by mm-hmm. their songs which i i bird by by sound a lot so uh yes it has its place but uh use it judiciously if mm-hmm. if you will
0: so just to follow up jack uh so uh three things in your title you you want to be introduced as naturalist teacher activist mm-hmm. so teacher and And how does that fit in with the other two titles? Uh,
4: <clears throat> well, one of my passions in life, other than getting acquainted with these amazing landscapes that this planet has to offer on whatever continent I've been on, is to somehow <clears throat> uh, pass this on uh, in a very visceral way to to others. and the others have been primarily students. I've taught many years uh, on the high school level, on the higher ed level, and uh, to get these folks out and get them acquainted with what's around them, uh, the beauty of it, the intricacy of it, and so on, to me is is a major reason for, for my life, if you will, is to mm-hmm. get them acquainted and passionate. Right. What What have been your experiences? I, it, I think it's,
0: you've told me before, but it has been satisfying.
4: Extremely, be yes. That knowledge and
0: on, that passion
4: Up. These two young men here at the table <laughs> will testify to that. Although I need to get Josh out more, <clears throat> um, Darren, across the table, has been with me on many of these instances, and uh, we we have a way, I guess, of, of relating in that setting. That's another part of it is if you really want to get to know someone <clears throat> as you never had have before, take them out in some of these wild spaces and places, uh, there's... Something happens where you you reach a deep deeper level of appreciation for that that other individual, mm. and a level of communication that you really may not have had before.
0: Stephen Turnbull, I wonder if uh, follow up with you on on that last point. Uh, so, you get out into the wild places, you get out into nature, you you develop relationship with uh, those landscapes, but developing relationships with each other while you're out there as well.
1: Oh, that's so true, and. Since we're focusing on writing, I, I want to go back to the kinds of things Jack mentioned when he was out with his students. They were listening for bird song. They were photographing the plants. What I try to get my students to do when we're out in the field is to pay attention and to sit down and absorb the place and let that let those senses go right through your fingertips and onto the page of your journal. And you can really tick through your senses. You know what do I hear? Everything from wind to birds to distant frogs or elk bugling, if you're lucky. You never know what you're gonna hear when you really listen. You know, what do I see? How do I describe that color? How do I describe the, the color of the sky uh, without using trite, shopworn worn phrases? You know, it's a real challenge, but it it forces you, as you think like a writer, to really pay attention. And that very much connects you with your fellow students. You know, people come back from their time alone out uh, with their journals, and are eager to share. And you can see people look at each other with with uh, a real sense of sharing and connection, because they've had similar experiences in in moving beyond themselves. And there's a, a an enormously powerful effect of that. Um, you can see that almost as therapy. You know, in 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 Utah, we've become a real center for wilderness therapy. And sending kids out into the into the wilderness to to heal kids with real real troubled backgrounds. Um, there's actually a wonderful book about that experience uh, called Shouting at the Sky by Gary Ferguson that I've just included in an anthology of writing I'm working on about Capitol Reef National Park. And that's one way to make a powerful connection that that brings you into a whole new phase of your life. And the folks who work in, in wilderness therapy use the word wilderness simply to describe that experience. You know, wilderness is now a word that means spending time in one of those therapy programs.
0: Uh, I know, Stern, you were shaking your head. You were agreeing yeah. emphatically with with Stephen there. Yeah, it's, um, it's definitely a
3: conversation that needs to be had. Um, I had the great opportunity of going to the Utah Society for Environmental Educators. So I'll give them a little plug. They're a great nonprofit in the state of Utah, and they came to Logan, and they actually had a journal writing um, little workshop, and uh, we're downtown Logan, where you wouldn't per se find wilderness or nature, I guess you could say, um, and uh, you just see asphalt pavements and jungles, you know. And uh, the photographer knew a spot that was an old uh, mill an old wheat mill and it's on the edge of like um, just a little fall off uh, right by Logan High and it's just this deserted little creek that's now come back to life and there's caddisflies even though there's rust everywhere there's graffiti and broken glass but there's butterflies, there's you know rose hips and uh, you're just sitting there writing and it's this crazy merger of like human and nature and you know it's like if you let nature be it comes back and um, you know half of this mill had been falling off and uh it had the channel for the water that had been you know teeming with life now with various forms um and she had us write and I didn't know most of the people and um they had a share and um you felt like you knew the people um in a deeper meaning because you had experienced something and I think there's something to that um and I've had friends that have come to Utah for those wilderness um therapy and um You know, I think Utah has, you know, um, these landscapes that really can bring people together. Um, But I don't want to detach or detract from, um, you know, the kids that will never cherish the mountaintops of Utah because we had a lady come, Emma Morris, uh, to campus, and she talks about kind of redefining nature. And she's uh, the writer and author of Rambunctious Gardener. And she talks about rewilding urban settings and how... You know, a dandelion might be the most wilderness or the most wild that a kid will see in, say, inner Chicago. Um, Whereas us in Utah, we're spoiling that here in Logan, we can walk five minutes and we're on a mountain Mm -hmm. um, or we can drive to that place. And um, she made the analogy that Crater Lakes in Oregon actually is pretty maintained, it it has very hands on management in order to keep the the pristine look and to keep the bark beetle. Um, encroachment at bay and so they're actually very hands-on planting and trimming Um, whereas the lot next door um, she says has maybe not been touched for 10 years and that's actually if you're looking at it less uh, human interaction to it and so that um, back to my original story kind of made me realize that yeah this place that I've been had had visitors over the last hundred years but how many people had done what I did Um, probably me and the 15 people you know over the last hundred years um, yeah, there were beer bottles where people
0: drank and threw them, but um, yeah, it was definitely uh, unkept. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, thank you. Uh, let's take a break, and when we come back, we'll uh, we'll uh, bring in um, Kiri Manukin and some of our students. They'll be joining us from Capitol Reef National Park. We have with us for the hour Stephen Trimble, a writer, uh, author of Bargaining for Eden and many other books. Um, and uh, Stephen Trimble, the, the latest one.
1: Uh, It's a collection of writing by 35 writers writing on behalf of Utah's public lands called Red Rock Stories, and it's brand new. We just got it back from the printer last week, and um, I'm pretty excited about it.
0: Okay. All right. We'll uh, give a plug for that one. We have with us in studio Jack Green, who's a naturalist, teacher, and activist. His students, Josh Velasquez and Darren Bingham. And after the break, we'll be joined by uh, UBU adjunct instructor Carrie Mnookin and some of her students. More following this. Programming on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our members and Cafe
3: Ibis 52 Federal Avenue in historic downtown Logan, open seven days a week, featuring triple certified coffee, espresso bar, and culinary gifts. Ordering and location information at CafeIbis.com.
0: This is Management Minute by Professor Scott Hammond.
1: It has been said that we value what we measure, While some important things cannot be measured, many important things can be measured. Our database measurements chart our progress, show improvement, and communicate what is important. They also identify problems and tell us what solutions are working. Deciding on what we measure is often the first step towards continuous improvement.
2: Management
0: Minute is brought to you by our members and the USU John M. Huntsman School of Business One-Year Master of Business Administration, specializing in strategic business development and value creation, business analytics, and finance. Details at huntsman.usu.edu/mba. Thanks for listening to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. We have an Access Utah tradition on or near Earth Day each year. We invite Utah writer Stephen Trimble and other guests to talk about the earth, the land, and the environment. And Stephen Trimble suggested for this year, why don't we talk about young people's responses to the land, especially young people who are writing about the land. And so we're doing that in the program today. We have with us Stephen Trimble uh, in KCPW Studios. Thanks to the good folks there. And uh, in studio here naturalist teacher and activist Jack Green, and his students, Josh Velasquez and Darren Bingham. And now we uh, bring on from Capitol Reef National Park, Utah Valley University Adjunct Instructor, Kiri Manukin. We'll also be talking with some of her students. Uh, so Kiri Manukin, welcome to the program.
5: Thank you very much. Thanks for having us.
0: Did I get your name right?
5: You did. I'm actually very impressed.
0: Okay. <laughs> Thank uh, you. <laughs> well, we we appreciate you uh, taking the time to be with us. So you're actually at Capitol Reef?
5: We are. Uh, we came here on Tuesday, uh, and every semester we bring a, our ESL students down for a, about a four-day trip, um, a four-day stay here at the um, Utah Valley University field station, uh, that's located inside the national park.
0: I didn't know UVU had a field station there.
5: Yeah, uh, it's one of, I believe, only nine universities that has a field station inside a national park, um, which is a really great, uh, a great opportunity for. Uh, for all the, you know, for our students in particular, but for many different programs in the university, um, or even across the nation. Uh,
0: so, uh, tell me a little bit about what you what you do down there. I know you do a wilderness writing workshop. It's one of the things.
5: Yeah. Um, so that's one thing that we do. But in in terms of the overall topic of how how young people respond to uh, land and to the environment through writing. Um, we actually uh, I'm, I teach in a an integrated section of classes uh, for English language learners um, where we kind of take two different approaches. So one, during the whole semester um, during the whole semester, students are researching a, a topic of their choice, um, but it's some topic that is related to um, economic and environmental um, impact. so something <coughs> excuse me something that's showing economic and environmental impact. Um, so that's the first approach we do. So and they respond to that in writing in a variety of ways, um, including something like a poster session um, and a research paper. And then here uh, at Capitol Reef, um, I do a wilderness writing workshop where we actually take students out on one of the hikes and they uh you know, I I give them some um, some preparation so they kind of know what to observe and and uh, you know what to practice in terms of their observation and uh, and um, I give them a little prompt and then they are writing while they're actually sitting in the middle of Capitol Reef um, sitting on the red rock itself um, so it's a really great experience for them to kind of connect um, their research um, and the things that they've been learning from uh, through the rest of the semester and their very personal very tangible um, experience here in Capitol reef in this in this wild place
0: so it's interesting that there's several things going on right the, the, so these are e s l students so the one thing yes. they're they're learning english so this uh-huh. is this is good to have them right uh but but several other things of course language is very much connected with culture they're also learning culture right and and part of the culture that you're inculcating with them is is land
5: yes. It, exactly. So, uh, you know, the sense of place uh, actually plays a very big role in the um, the methodology or the, the the pedagogy that we take. Um, so, it, really, it's a and again, we, these two different um, these two different types of writing or these two different approaches talk about a sense of place uh, in a couple of different ways. So, one, the the research projects that they do. You know, these are research projects um, or research topics from anywhere in the world, and they're topics of student's choice. Um, And a lot of times students end up writing about the place where they come from, but they're writing about it through the lens of economic and environmental impact. So, you know, some of the topics that we've had just this semester are dealing with, you know, illegal mining of minerals in Congo, the minerals that are used in – in cell phones all around the world, right? So we're looking at the kind of impact that that illegal mining actually has, not on just that place, not on Congo, but the rest of the world as well. Um, one another student did um, a project on the impact that the dairy industry has on California's drought, um, which is again, you know, there's a there's a very large correlation. So we've got this. Um, uh these projects that are like that have a sense of place for a lot of students who might be from these places and again the student's not from California but um another one was talking about um, illegal mining of Madagascar rosewood um so the student from Madagascar was talking about how or was researching how um, you know what the what the economic and environmental impact is of the demand for this type of wood in other countries so that's one approach but then the other um the other approach or the the other thread I guess of this sense of place is um uh you know it, when when students are learning language in particular um, it does help to connect to the local culture um and so they also get a sense of place here in Utah in um and specifically here in Capitol Reef right so it 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 definitely um aids and, um, and enhances their, uh, their English education.
0: Mm. Um, I, I'll uh, allow opportunity to any of my guests here, if, if they have a question for Carrie or her students as we bring them on, just uh, just jump in. Um, so, uh, Carrie, I know you have some students there. To, to maybe you could hand the phone to the first student?
5: I do, yeah. Um, uh, first students. Let me actually hand the phone to, uh, to Oswaldo.
0: Okay. All right. Uh, hello. Hi, Oswaldo. Uh this is Tom yeah. Williams, Utah Public oh. Radio. Uh thank you for talking to us.
6: Oh, no, thanks to you. Uh
0: where where are you from, Oswaldo?
6: Oh, hi. I'm from Mexico, and from Mexico City.
0: Oh, okay. So you're at Utah Valley University uh learning yep. learning English. Uh what what do you think of of Capitol Reef National Park? What uh, How's that experience?
6: Okay, Tom. So as you know, this is my first time here in Capitol Reef. I also, you know, I noticed uh, that here's a lot of history. You know, it's something different than the things that I'm got in use in my country. So this place is so so beautiful. You know, it's quite different at all the things that I have, you know, discovering before in my country. So I really really like this place. We can learn about the history. Not about the country, uh, the history of the place. You know, here in Capitol Reef, we can see the layers, we can learn about the history. How was it? How was it with the old Puebloans and all that stuff? And I really like it.
0: Mm. Very, very different from Mexico City, the a huge city, right? And, and yeah. Right.
6: I mean, for example, there we have uh, monuments like the pyramids and all that stuff. But now these kind of layers, you know, it's so different and I really like it.
0: Mm. Uh, so, uh, what what is your project? What are you writing about?
6: Okay, <clears throat> the project that I did it's about the illegal Latin American immigration.
0: All right, that, that's a big topic.
6: Yeah, it's kind of huge.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and how how do you connect that with um, with with Capital Reef with with?
6: Mm. Uh... with Capital Reef.
0: Or, or, or are you connecting that? I guess you just connected up with, with uh, Mexico and the U.S.
6: Mexico and the U.S.? Mm, mm. Uh, I think it needs, it needs to have a relationship between my topic and Capri Reef, but it would be, I'm not sure about, uh, from my point of view, I think it's kind of interesting, you know, for example, now that I'm here, I can learn about all, the, all these kind of environmental things. For example, this is like a desertic zone. This is a desertic area. And right now, I'm learning about all the facts, for example, how the weather is and all that facts. That is kind of an example, for example, in when migrants, when illegal migrants, cross, they cross about a desert. So it's kind of the desert and it's kind of the same situation, you know? It's like lack of water and it's so difficult to survive and the weather is so hot, so right now that I'm here, yeah, it's beautiful, and I'm learning about it. But, you know, I'm, at the same time, I'm trying to figure out in which conditions usually the migrants are crossing and all that stuff that they need to survive.
0: Yeah, that definitely connects it to the land, doesn't
6: it? Yeah, and it, it makes me also feel like, you know, like the people, I can understand what they need to do to, mm. to cross.
0: Well, oh, Oswaldo, it was great talking to you. Could you hand the phone to the next uh, student?
6: Thank you. Okay, thank you.
7: Hello. Yeah,
0: he- hello, uh, well, I'm uh, Tom Williams, Utah Public Radio. What is your name?
7: My name is Eric. I am from the Republic of America, Chicago, Congo.
0: All right. Um, so, uh, studying at Utah Valley University. Uh, what. What do you think about the the land there, Capitol Reef National Park? What what is your impression of of the place?
7: Yeah, my impression of the place it's really huge because um, it's kind of first experiences to be in the wilderness. You know, coming over and getting experiences to be into the wild, try to be disconnected from the world and try to learn a lot of things about nature because the Capitol Reef National Park has a lot of things that i never had besides it's the darkest part in the world i mean i've been here for just a few days but my feeling about the nature start to change because i've learned a lot of things by being here mm.
0: so you can you can see the night sky and everything right
7: exactly especially yeah. yesterday we've been able to watch different stars and Different planet like Jupiter. It was so amazing. That was wonderful.
0: where do you do you live in a big city there in, uh, in the in the DRC?
7: Yeah, I live in a big city. I live in Kinshasa, which mm-hmm. is the capital of the Democratic Republic of Congo.
0: Yeah, that's that's a huge huge place. So th- this is very different in a in a, <laughs> a sparsely populated place like capital reef.
7: Yes, exactly.
0: Yeah. What What is your project? What are you writing about?
7: I'm writing about the illegal of culture mining in the Congo. The illegal exploitation, I mean, of uh, culture mining in the Congo. In my topic, I'm trying to talk about the environmental and economic impact of the illegal culture mining in the Congo. Hmm.
0: Well, uh, Eric, it's it's wonderful to, to speak to you. Uh, could could you, Thank you. So, uh, thank you. Could you um, uh, pass the phone to the next student?
7: Yeah, thank you.
0: Hi, it's uh, Tom from uh, Utah Public Radio. Thank you for uh, talking with us. What What is your name?
8: Thank you. Uh, I'm Tajana
0: Okay, where are you from?
8: I am from Ukraine.
0: Ukraine. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, you're you're studying at Utah Valley University. What uh, yeah. w- What do you think about Capitol Reef National Park?
8: Well, uh, I enjoy being here. I, I actually I enjoy being in nature, and I feel more alive. And inspired, and I think like every plant and tree and rock have kind of soul. And being surrounded like all this soul, it it, it creates like a whole different world around me. Hmm. And I, like it calms me down. It's like
0: yeah, that's that's very poetic. Thank you. Um, what uh, so what are you writing about? What is your project?
8: So my project is about uh California dairy industry and how sustainable it is and actually is it
0: oh yeah. okay, and its impact on the drought there uh, yeah 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 um what um so this is how how is this different How is the land different from uh, back home in Ukraine
8: well it's it's probably maybe the same. But the climate is
0: different, so it's more humidity, but, yeah. More
8: humid here?
0: Yeah. Or, uh-huh, okay, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, thank you so much for, for talking with us. Thank you. Could you uh, hand the phone to the next student? Yeah,
8: sure.
0: I think we have four students, so this would be the last uh, student.
9: Hello. Uh,
8: hello,
0: uh, Tom from uh, UPR, What what is your name?
9: Um, my name is Ainana, and I'm from Russia, from
0: okay. Siberia, actually. From Siberia, okay. Um, so, well, first of all, to tell us about Siberia. We hear a lot about Siberia. You know, cold.
9: Oh yes, is it's, it, cold? it is very, very cold. It's much colder than here in Utah. Um, okay. I actually really, it seems like Utah weather. is really similar to the place where I was, where I grew up, but it's much, much colder. Than,
0: okay, uh, similar except it's colder. All right. Yes. Uh, uh, where where do you come from in in Siberia?
9: Um, um, it's a uh, Republic of Buryatia. Um, my um, city called Ulan-Ude, um It's a remote city. It's kind of close to the border of Mongolia.
0: Oh, okay, all right. Um, so, what do you think about Capital Reef National Park and the, your experience there?
9: Oh my goodness, I I love it so much. So this is my second semester that I um, got this chance to. Come down here and enjoy this experience. I'm I'm so so grateful that um, Utah Valley University and the ESL program has this amazing um, opportunity for international students to come down here and experience all these um, wonders. And um, because my um, relationship with the nature starts, as it was mentioned before, with my um, from my childhood. Um, as it was mentioned, um, the gardens and we had our own garden and. My grandmother taught me how to um, grow vegetables and like how to water them and so I really enjoyed that and that taught me um, to appreciate the nature, appreciate um, all the wonders that we have around us so yeah and I'm so so grateful that we have this amazing opportunity to actually write about um, nature as we are here and um, I'm so grateful for this. Yeah.
0: What, what is your uh, project?
9: Uh, My project is um, actually not as related to the the land. It's about sugar and sugar impact on people Hmm. in the U.S.
0: Yeah, uh, so uh, I think the people in the U.S. do eat more sugar than a lot of other nations.
9: Yes, um, and also the sugar, um, all all the production of sugar um, uses a lot lot of resources to create sugar cane um, industries. They use a lot of... um, sources like water or um a lot of land for my mi- mining and yeah.
0: Yeah, well wonderful. Well, I hope you continue to have a great experience uh, here.
9: Thank you so much.
0: Oh, thank you for for speaking with us. Um I think uh, would you put uh, uh, Professor Manukin back on?
9: Oh, oh, sure.
0: Hi Tom. Hi, I understood you had four students, so that was was that everyone who wanted to speak with us
5: or yes, you had it was. prepared. Okay. Yes, all right.
0: Okay. Uh so let me uh, just as sort of a, a final uh question. Very interesting to speak with with students from all over the world. Um Yeah. But it's it's you know connection to the land, uh, to wilderness, it's it is universal. What from your perspective, the the reaction that you get from students in this, I think it's not the first time you've taken students out to Capitol Reef. What, what in general is, is the reaction?
5: That's a really great question. And, uh, no, this is about my eighth or ninth time uh, being on this trip with students. Um, and I, I think uh, a lot of the things that I notice in students uh, are connected to things that um, previous guests have talked about. Um, you know, in terms of the sense of place um, and being disconnected. So, uh, you know, one of the first things that we notice about students uh, when we tell them uh, as we're preparing for the trip, there's not going to be any cell service, you know, usually these millennials start to freak out a little bit, you know, like the thought of being disconnected from any type of social media or phone calls or texting or uh, whatever. Um, You know, it's, it's a real concern for them and um, and time and time again, we've seen students. and it's been such a pleasure to watch students be disconnected, maybe freak out just a little bit, you know, go through withdrawals, essentially, and, you know, by the the second or third day, start to realize just how how wonderful it feels to be disconnected. Um, And I've had several students actually write about this. Um, You know, it's made such an impact on them that they've written about how wonderful it is to be sitting around a table with people, eating together, and having no phones, and actually getting to know people. So there's also this sense of belonging um, in terms of group as well as belonging in uh, this place. So um, in terms of the writing, uh, one of the things that – that I do with the uh the the writing from this workshop uh that I hold here at Capitol Reef. Um, you know, we take what they've written, we edit it, we fix it, and then we um, I put it into a booklet that is then um, printed or um, or put together. This this semester it's gonna be an e book. Um, but it's it's a booklet of everyone's writing. Um, and what I notice in in their writing is it's it's such a beautiful thing because um such a poetic language comes out, um, uh, even in the simplest ways. It's such a it, – people uh, – my students have become very, very poetic. And, and it's also a, a nice way for them to connect with – connect all the information that they've learned in an objective kind of research way uh, and connect that with this very subjective um, very personal response, this personal experience that they're having in this place. So it's a really wonderful kind of um, convergence of uh, of their all all angles of their experience.
0: Uh, Stephen Trimble, I wonder if I could turn to you to finish off this segment. Uh, so uh, very interesting. Kiri Manukin just talked about this relationship between appreciating nature and writing. Well, there's a connection, and I'm sure you've thought a lot about that connection, that interconnection.
1: No, absolutely. And those those students were so moving in responding to a place that must feel so foreign. You know, the Red Rock country is going to look so different from the Congo or Mexico or Mongolia and Siberia. Um, you know, I, I think that there's an enormously powerful thing that is underlying what they're saying. You know, we start with capturing that sense of place. We go out in, into the landscape with the guidance of a teacher like Kiri and that teacher helps us begin to absorb that sense of place. And we express that in words on the page. We share that with our our peers and our fellows in that field experience and begin to grow closer to them. And pretty soon the conversation turns to, okay, so we we understand that this place is gorgeous and is enriching our lives, but almost all of these places that we visit are threatened in some way. So what are we going to do about that? That's the next question. And uh, as as old Oswaldo said, you know he's writing about immigration from Mexico that leads him to think about drought, and so the drought that's coming to the Colorado Plateau with climate change connects Capital Reef to what he's writing about. It connects to every big story of immigration around the world. You know the drought in Syria has a lot to do with the civil war in Syria. There will be waves of climate refugees leaving their homes and learning to live in new places, and so. There's this amazingly powerful connection between sitting on a boulder in Pleasant Creek outside of the UVU field station and trying to capture the the feeling of that place and everything else in the world and everything about the future of the world. And so writing about place, getting a sense of place powerfully embedded in who you are, engages you with the world. And as my master's students especially keep reminding me, Uh, we can no longer think of wilderness as a place that is pristine and untrammeled and without people. You know, we've been managing wild places as indigenous people for millennia, if not longer, not only tens of thousands of years, but hundreds of thousands of years. And in America, we have this tradition of nature writing that speaks of wilderness as a place where we go in solitude, you know, desert solitaire. But that, that really isn't a luxury we can't just revel in without remembering today that indigenous people live there before us wilderness pilgrims from urban areas. And we need to pay our bow of respect to those indigenous people. And then think about how we affect all of these places. Every culture in the world, every country in the world is now interconnected. Uh, One reason why Uh, The young man from the Congo was so amazed by the dark night skies in Capitol Reef. They're few and far between. So I I think that 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 sense of connection between sitting alone in nature and writing about the glories of the blossom in front of you, the connection between that and climate change and politics and mass migration and the biggest issues in the world is enriching to the people who are ma- making those pieces of writing and incredibly important for all of us to think about and the young people are leading us to that connection
0: let's uh, take a break next um, and we'll uh, say goodbye now to uh, Carrie Manukan, uh, Adject Instructor, Utah Valley University thank you so much for joining us and bringing your students on
5: Thank you so much for having us. I appreciate it.
0: Appreciate that. We'll return with uh, Jack Green and uh, his students, Josh Velasquez and uh, Darren Bingham. And we'll have, of course, with us in the last segment, uh, Stephen Trimble. And hope to hear from you. We have, uh, in fact, an email from uh, Steve that we'll get to following this break.
2: I'm Stephen Dubner on the next Freakonomics Radio. Am I boring you? And it turns
1: out that an astounding percentage of people hate sitting there thinking so much that they'll start shocking themselves. Does boredom send a useful signal? And if so, are we failing to get the message? That's next time on Freakonomics Radio. Join us Thursday morning at 10 on Utah Public Radio.
0: Thanks for listening to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. We are celebrating Earth Day. Each year, near Earth Day or on Earth Day, we invite writer uh, Stephen Trimble and other guests to talk about the earth, the land, and the environment. And uh, Stephen Trimble suggested this year that we focus on young people's response to the land, especially young people who are writing about the land. And so we're talking with Stephen Trimble. He joins us from KCPW Studios in Salt Lake City. And Jack Green, who's a naturalist, teacher, and activist. And his students, Josh Velasquez and Darren Bingham. We did talk in the last segment with UVU adjunct instructor Kiri Mnookin and some of her students. Very interesting uh, discussion there. Let's get right to an email from Steve. Steve says, as I listen to the conversation about place and wilderness and planet Earth on Earth Day, a thought keeps recurring, which I hope you find germane, as I very much do, though perhaps at an odd angle to the main thrust of the discussion. Over the past decade or so, astronomers have made fabulous progress identifying exoplanets, and especially rocky, Earth-like planets orbiting stars other than the sun. We're now learning that the universe teems with planets much like ours. Even closer by are the rocky planets and moons of our own solar system. This has given me a new perspective on the wilderness landscapes that I encounter here on our home planet. I find it fascinating that similar landscapes exist in many other places in the universe, and I find myself imagining the ways in which they probably look very much like the wilderness I find myself in here on Earth. And the ways in which they might differ. So, very interesting uh, perspective, um, uh, Steve. I don't know. Let me throw this to to Jack. What do, what do you think about that? Uh, about that
4: perspective? Um. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, having seen the movie Avatar, which I thought was um, really a fascinating <laughs> production, and the planet Pandora, and of course. Uh, In in that movie depiction, you you saw this really remarkably beautiful planet full of great forests and waterfalls and sky, much like our own, and so on. But I have to go back to planet Earth. I think that uh, our little Goldilocks planet here is as far as I want to explore, other than in my head, perhaps. Mm -hmm. But I'm really firmly planted in this terra firma that we call planet Earth, and uh, actually, planet water might be a better word mm-hmm. since the majority of it is covered by, by water. And having taught uh, marine biology for many years, I also have a deep appreciation for the liquid part of what we are, which is in another world that we know so little about. Um, so, yeah, I, I would, I guess, prefer to stay here. But looking at the heavens, yes, we were in the dark sky down at... The, in the bear's ears, uh, last well, weekend before last, Darren mentioned, and uh, we had this amazing night sky where we did a lot of gazing and thinking and kind of connecting, if you will, with with what's out there. Mm. So, thank you for the comments; mm. those were marvelous. Thank, thank you, Steve.
0: Steve. Uh, so we just have about uh, three minutes left. I'll, I'll uh, give each of the remaining guests about a minute to uh, to. Uh, uh, <laughs> Josh and Darren are pointing at each other. Let me go first to to you, Josh. Um so at the end of the discussion here what, uh, what what do you think and what what are you going to take back to Logan High
2: <laughs> Oh man well I've really I've really enjoyed being here and I've enjoyed uh, hearing comments from several other people um I'd like to thank you for having me on but I think what I'm going to take back is uh the different perspectives that I've gotten um I think I've I've gotten gained some new knowledge and some new information and uh Going back to uh, the email that you just received about the planets and uh, environments like ours, I think it's almost overwhelming to think about the fact that there is so much that we have here to admire and yet there is so much more out there that could be just as or perhaps even more beautiful than what we have here on planet Earth Um but I think I'm I am, I'm I'm going to take back uh, the knowledge that I've learned and the, the different perspectives that I've definitely gained. Um, that were very interesting. So thank you for that.
0: Well, and and keep up the good work there in the leaf, the leaf club there at thank Logan you. Logan High School. So uh, Josh Velasquez, Darren Bingham, uh, thirty seconds. What uh, what's your final word? Uh,
3: yeah, great pers- uh, perspectives. Um, I'd like to echo the environmental humanities. Um, Individual and, and that uh, yeah all these places uh, inevitably will be threatened by some form or another and it is Earth Day and we do have the March for Science on the 22nd and if you're in the Logan area we have the USU Earth Day tomorrow with Stacy Bear but um, every day is Earth Day so get out and plant a tree get out and enjoy nature um, you get despaired if you're not acting enough so I always tell people if you're starting to freak out um, do something. Um, there's plenty to be done. There's plenty of people doing stuff, uh, plenty of groups. Uh, we have the Internet, so as much as technology might detract us, um, we can connect and you can find a cause that you care about. So mm-hmm. get out and do something would be my call to
0: action. Okay. And I'll uh, we'll give the last word to uh, Stephen Trimble, about a, about a minute left.
1: Uh, thanks, Tom. Well, I, I'd, I'd encourage all the young people who are listening, and I hope there are lots of young people listening to move beyond simply enjoying the wilderness enjoying wild country you know there's a a great love of physicality and adventure in going out to the wild Uh, a lot of my students start with skiing and rock climbing and mountain biking and move from there to maybe joining the access fund and participating in protecting access to those rock climbing routes and pretty soon they find that they're fighting for the defense of bears ears national monument And they may go from those gardening experiences they had with their grandmother to volunteering in a community garden. And that all that leads forward into more deeper relationships with the land. It leads them toward reading, it leads them toward writing. I encourage all of those folks, all those young folks, to be writing themselves, writing in journals, writing letters to the editor about the things they care about, trying to articulate what they've learned from those experiences. And before they know it, they're going to find those pieces uh, collected in the kinds of anthologies mm-hmm. that I edit uh, because we're always looking for millennials to contribute to these kinds of collections of writing that are uh, overfull with stuff from the the boomers like me. Mm-hmm. So okay. I'm, I am hopeful and optimistic about the future because of the the care and dedication and passion of young people.
0: Thanks very much, Stephen Trimble. Uh, We've been uh, talking also with Jack Green. Thank you so much for coming in. And uh, Josh Velasquez and Darren Bingham, thank you uh, to you all so much. And uh, thanks for everyone for listening.
4: Utah Public Radio is a statewide service of Utah State University and the College of Humanities and Social Sciences. KUSR Logan, KUSK Vernal, KUSL Richfield, KUST Moab, KCEU Price, KUSUFM Logan. Also heard at UPR.org.